Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Of 
Or to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
and um, which is available to experience where other people have interviewed me. You can find that under the media tab under radio shows on my website. I've also authored four books, You Meet My Streams and its companion workbook, which is all about relationships, finding your perfect partner and how to keep them, and also Activating Compassion and its companion workbook. And then I'm also a collaborator on a fifth book, which is called Embraced by the Divine, Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose. And that's been an incredible journey with that book as well. I also created the True North Tour, which is a multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, book signings, seminars, all kinds of different things. And that's been under a lot of revision for the last year or so. (laughs) I know, I know. I keep saying I'm going to get some stuff going. And I am going to get some stuff going. But with the code interpretation, it's such an interesting piece. And so to really open that up, in a way for people to participate and get more of an experiential experience. It's just taking me a little longer to put things out there than I originally anticipated. So hang in there with me. I'm going to get them out there, and you'll be able to connect with me somewhere on the road, definitely. I greatly appreciate, by the way, all of those that share my shows here, because when you do, you are literally changing lives. And just by clicking that share button, you'd be amazed at how many lives get transformed through the information and the experiences that are shared here on the show. And today is going to be one of those shows you're definitely going to want to share. I've got a wonderful guest, Dr. Linda Gadbaugh, with me. And um, I know some of you go, wait a second, I've heard that name before. (laughs) And that's right. We've, We've had Linda on twice. Twice I've had technical issues going on today. We are going to be free and clear. I know it. (laughs) We're going to have a great run today. She's got great information to share with you, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome show. So you're going to want to share this because this is going to be a life-changing show, you know, uh, for you, for other people, and you, you just never know who it's going to impact. And by the way, they can get in using the same link you use to come into the live show, listen to it at their convenience, Also, my shows are available as podcasts through iTunes, TuneIn.com, and through my YouTube channel. So whatever the preferences, they've got an option for listening to it. Now, before we get started on everything, what I'd like to do is open into a book called The 72 Names of God. It's by Yehuda Berg, who is a Kabbalah master. And what I love about Yehuda's work is he takes kind of the big concepts, he puts them into everyday language, and that's kind of the way I function, too is I'm kind of a translator, I guess you might say in that way. But every week I flip the page to the next page in the book and see what we have come up, and it always seems to fit in. So this week what we have is the common name of God is umbilical cord. And what uh, he does for his initial message on this is when we experience moments of sadness, fits of anger, bouts of depression, or when we commit acts of intolerance, or insensitivity, the divine radiance instantly withdraws, leaving us in spiritual darkness. Unfortunately, in the chaos of day-to-day life, the laundry list above is bound to occur. So it's a big piece of thought, and, you know, amazingly and conveniently, this does definitely fit in with today's topic, as you'll realize. Yehuda goes on to give on this is, whenever we commit a negative action, the light instantly leaves our presence. We're floundering in the dark. We may not detect this effect with our five senses, but we experience it internally and through the events in our lives. Our consciousness turns negative. Our state of mind becomes gloomy and pessimistic. 
situations around us spiral into darkness. And we know we need to leave this space fast. But we see no way out. We're alone, trapped at the bottom of the snake pit, and the snakes are closing in quickly. The good news is that there's a tool that can prevent us from completely severing the life-giving cord that connects us to the light. This divine name is the tool. And he goes on with his meditation here. And, and, and this is so appropriate, I think, to the aspects because so many times we get disconnected, right? It's like you get that little, how many times a day do the, the lights dim where there's a brownout, for example, and, and the electrical currents that we have and we don't even notice it, you know, because it's so faint and so minor. But, uh, you know, this is a, a good analogy for what he's talking about. And the same thing happens with our interpersonal selves, our, our inner light. And so many times it fades off and it drops off with these different emotional states. And we're not even aware of it because it's so subtle when it happens a lot of times. Now, the meditation he goes on to give is you establish an umbilical cord to the divine energy ensuring a constant glimmer of light in your life, especially for those times when you wind up in a place of utter darkness. So this is a big one. The common name of God we have this week is called umbilical cord, and the formal name is called hey rush shut. Hey, hey rush shut. And you can find that, by the way, on my media tab if you go into the code connection and cite some messages that message will be posted on that page, and you can go back and reflect on it during the week. So it's kind of cool. I like to do that. I like to take a message, take a theme, run with it for a week, and see what I can do with it. Now, leading into today's topic, we've got some insights here, and I'm going to give you some things to think about before we go on break and bring our guest on. And um, this will kind of get your mind going in the direction that we're headed during the show today. Have you taken the time to note how what emotions you are experiencing may be affecting your spiritual path? And have you noticed how the emotions you have influenced what you are thinking? What role are emotions really playing for you? Okay, now I could already hear the rebuttals coming to this <laughs> title, right, uh, of the thing. You know, many people are probably thinking, no, that can't be true. Emotions are powerful. They've motivated me. Help provide spiritual experiences. You know, I've heard all of these things. So before we get too much further, there are a couple of differentiations we may want to make. Emotions and feelings are not quite the same. Feeling strongly is not always the same as strong emotion. Also, we have several layers to emotions and emotional states that we get into. Now, that being said, now we can move on. When we look at emotions, they can be quite powerful forces. They will often originate from a feeling that has accumulated a certain amount of strength. And when this happens, we tend to reach emotional states, which then place us in a position of reacting. As we react to things, we are actually leaving our mind and setting aside clear thinking for this reaction. This is where we have actually stepped into a zone of being out of control. To respond allows us the opportunity to manage things. However, as we move into reaction, we're operating highly impulsive and in blind ways since all thinking states have been left behind. Now, once we set aside our thought process, processes and things, 
our creativity is going to shut down. Creativity does not coexist with emotional reaction, since creativity is actually founded in the mind process. Now, this is important to realize because our creativity is the key component in spiritual development and connection to the divine essence. So an open and clear mind allows us to connect, while emotional irrationalism shuts down our connection. And the irrational thinking stemming from emotional reaction. So this is why spiritual practices place an emphasis on quieting the mind. However, it's really about clearing the mind and quieting the emotion. Now, I'm not saying we should suppress all emotions and feelings or that they are all bad and evil and to be shut down. The key here is when they move us into a space of reaction instead of response. So it is when they override and shut down our thoughts that we want to stop, pause, and recenter into a space where we can hear and see things with clarity. And I liken this, it takes revenge out of anger. Okay? In this emotional state, they are not so fully connected and end up doing things that they may later regret. They're not thinking, not a sound mind. And this is the space where we see people take drastic and dramatic actions to release things. Emotions are not getting a constructive outlet. However, when we set those emotions aside and engage in something creative, we can offer a positive expression or outlet for the emotion. And that keeps us connected with our soul self. It is in this space that we are able to gain lessons and insights and transformation that moves us beyond what challenges us in the moment. What are your creative outlets? And do you stay conscious of when your feelings cross over into bigger emotions? And have you felt spiritual disconnect, strong emotional states? I can say I have. <laughs> I know I have. I know when I start crossing that line and it's like, oh, I, I can feel it. I can feel it. I can see it. I can know it. And I'm sure you've had those experiences too. So moving on to the code energy for this week, and this is a little insight for, for um, part of how the week is going to be flowing, and um, just our little insight to think about based on today and, and what's going on and using this as a launching point. This also, by the way, is under my media tab on the Code Connection uh, Insights and Messages page. Now the code energy for this week is all about recognizing how far you've come Take time to really reflect on the lessons that you have learned and face the challenges from this space of wisdom and you will open a future that supports receiving blessings. To repeat the past can lock you into spirals of heavy energy. When we work from lessons learned, we are working from the space of compassion with others. And we are remembering that we all have challenges and assets and it is your choice to recognize the assets of yourself and others and integrate them into a stronger team. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have my guest with us, Dr. Linda Gadbois, and she's going to be sharing her thoughts on how we can control our emotions and embrace our creative power. And the song I've got for you during our break is called Why Is It So Hard? It's by Claire Hedin. And you can check out more of Claire's work, by the way, through her website, www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. We'll be back in just 
a couple of minutes.
And welcome back. You are listening to The Code Connection. My name is Jessie on Nichols George, and I'm your hostess. And you were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called Wise It's So Hard. And um, by the way, you can catch up with all of Claire's work and events and things that she's doing, which are really cool stuff. She does a, a really great thing. I had a chance to connect with her in person when I was traveling through her area one year, and um, she's just a beautiful, beautiful soul. So if you ever get a chance to do some work with her, it's great. You can check out what she's got going on through her website, clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-C-E-D-I-N.com. And today I have with me Dr. Linda Gadbois, and she is a visionary artist and founder of Creative Transformation which is dedicated to providing people with higher education and strategic intervention that meets and exceeds the highest standards and most modern technologies in the areas of creative mind development, psychology, personal transformation, professional development, communication, the creative arts, consciousness state, and integrative medicine. Dr. Gadbois also shares her wisdom in areas such as spiritual sciences, evolutionary relationships, sacred sexuality, health and well-being, divine feminine, creativity, business, conscious dying, life purpose, play workshops, and adventure <laughs> seminars. Linda will be sharing her thoughts on dealing with emotions and how to balance them and how to tap into your creative power through a mental emotional balance. And this is really exciting. By the way, you can learn more about her work at www.creativetransformation.biz, that's B-I-Z, forward slash index.html. And she's got amazing articles. I mean, if you want to get your mind thinking, she's got them on there. And you might have heard her chuckling there a little bit for a moment because we have tried to do shows (laughs) for three times now. This is the third time we've tried to do a show together. And the first time there was a freak snowstorm that hit where I was and and the Starbucks closed down that I was trying to work from at the time. And I, all I had was my car and the battery on my computer going. And I go, we got a half hour to have you talk about crop circles. <laughs> and, then, and then a few weeks back, I was on the road and traveling and um, ended up in a place and I could not get, um, actually it was a place I had been before, I believe it was, and I, I was familiar with the connection, couldn't get a connection, couldn't get through on the Internet. I was wiped out. We had technical difficulties in the blog talk system. <laughs> She's talking, I'm talking, neither one of us could hear each other. It was pretty funny, actually. And um, so now I think we actually have a, a, a real connection <laughs> for a full show. So welcome to the show, Linda. It's Great to have you here, and, uh, you know, I'd love for you to start off sharing a little bit about how you got into doing all these amazing things, because you blend <laughs> you blend spirituality, and it is phenomenal what you do and how you describe things and what you share. Oh, gee, so that's kind of like a complicated question, <laughs> kind of goes back to, you know, like, like what most of us, it, it's like a life journey. It's not really about, you know, a couple last couple of years or whatever. It's, you know, I, I've been an artist my whole life. I've been a writer my whole life. I originally started off doing a lot of poetry and uh, writing lyrics to songs and, um, you know, as well as like painting and uh, all that type stuff. And, um, and I've had 
I've had some really interesting life experiences that really forced me to uh, really kind of come to terms with what was happening in my life and why. And, um, you know, certainly what my thoughts were as far as like the spiritual aspect of what was happening to me, because, you know, I was, I was probably like a lot of people, you know, when I was growing up, I, uh, I had kind of a hard life and I felt like I was being picked on. (laughs) I felt like I was being punished and I couldn't figure out what I had done to deserve to be punished. And I kind of went through different paths and I went through a period of time where I was a complete atheist and, uh, <laughs> I wasn't really pissed off at God, you know what I mean, or the whole idea of God, but I was just, you know, it didn't make sense to me, so to speak. But anyway, and as I went through life and I had a couple other fairly major tragedies take place and really made me come to terms with um, how I felt about spirituality and um, in my one of my, my previous marriage, my husband uh, was killed and um, I kind of, that kind of set me on my spiritual path, so to speak, where, because I became kind of like obsessed as, as far as what happens to us when we die, you know, what was he experiencing? What, what is the actual experience of dying? I mean, the whole nine yards. And I kind of like went totally into um, like the metaphysical approach and this, you know, and that really set my spiritual path into motion. And um, I've just been, been going ever since (laughs) and I just as I go along and I develop things I just combine all the other things I don't really you know I didn't stop doing the art I didn't stop doing the writing I just started combining the art with the writing with the education with the the uh, spiritual sciences uh, with the insights that I was able to have you know in reflecting on my own life experiences as well as you know um, I do fairly extensive form of Uh, meditation and hypnosis and so I've done a lot of exploring (laughs) in terms of my own psyche and and past lives and um, different stuff like that but and I also you know one of my uh, you know biggest love in life is teaching and I look at my writing as a form of teaching and I also work with people one-on-one I do a lot of mentoring uh, professional training. I work with integrative medicine uh, doctors and teaching them personal skills and how to employ psych- psychology or the psychological skills in with their normal communication and how to work with people's minds and how they um, in, engage them in different um, healing processes. So, and you know, and I also just help people with just their general life development and uh, relationship counseling and, um, you know, developing their personal style, you know, uh, stuff like that. So anything that involves creativity, personal transformation, personal development, um, I, you know, that's what I do, so to speak. <laughs> so, but, I, you I know, one of the things I want to hear from, I want to jump in what? here just for a minute. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, I just want to jump in here for a minute and um, interject something. You know, you, you make this sound <laughs> so um, easy in a way. Uh, <laughs> you, you have this kind of casual approach to it. And it's, it's interesting because there's a couple of things I love. You brought up the fact that you use writing as a form of teaching, and I I couldn't agree more. You're 
your posts that you make are so, so informative. And I mm-hmm. love that because it helps people think a little bit outside of the box to say, oh, I don't have to just go and stand in front of a classroom to teach or be in a venue to teach. There's a lot of different options for us to present something. And oh, absolutely. what I really love about you because, you you know, you talk about working with the psychologist or, the, you know, other professionals as well, is that you don't just put things out there in the spiritual, wording, general, nebulous way. <laughs> you, you, you <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> specific definition. You have yeah. uh, a way of phrasing things that it's like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. You bring in the science part of it that really right. explains it in this Every you know this practical life of how it works, and right. I find that to yeah. be incredibly, incredibly beneficial. Well, you know, you know, I kind of like you know people are all into the you know right brain, left brain type thing or whatever. And I always thought of myself as being more of a whole brain person, but I am very in tune to the sciences, um, you know, especially quantum physics, which is, in my opinion, the modern day spiritual sciences. So I've got that part of the, the mind, too, that, that works like that and can think like that. But I'm also, I've also got the very creative, intuitive, um, subtle aspect of the mind, too, that's very into, like, the feeling, emotional expression around ideas. And so I combine them. And, of course, I'm, I'm a Taurus, so I'm, I'm exceedingly practical. <laughs> and my, my take on things is that, you know, knowledge doesn't do us any good if we don't know how to use it to create in our life. So, and I feel like one of my talents or one of the things that I'm really good at is being able to take really complicated ideas and explain them in a way that's easy to understand. And because understanding is necessary in order to be able to apply it or use it in your life in a meaningful way. So, that's what I focus on is being able to take some of these ideas and, you know, you know, um, spirit, you know, the physical and the spiritual world, they, they kind of exist, coexist, so to speak, in a, in a growth in a subtle form and they almost tend to contradict each other. And so it's very easy when people are interpreting spiritual ideas to misinterpret them because of how they're looking at it or how they're approaching it, or they're looking at it from a purely material physical perspective which is in spiritual science is what we call the lower self or um, you know the one that's fully engrossed in our material reality but if we choose instead to kind of like embody or step into the spiritual perspective on an idea we can see that the interpretation around certain ideas could be quite different (laughs) and they're different in the sense that you know, what result they produce based on how you go about them or how you use them in your life to create. And it's like one of the things like in this topic that we're getting ready to discuss here is I want to kind of point out that um, this isn't really about controlling emotions necessarily, although it does result in that. And it's not about, certainly not about repressing anything or suppressing emotional expression and emotions are um, wonderful. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this, uh, what, we're talk, what we're talking about is emotional reactions 
which are, you know, basically put you immediately into an unconscious state. And that's because that's what a reaction is, right? It's all of a sudden you, you completely go into an automated mode of consciousness where you're, you're reacting. It's like you've got a, um, your behavior, is, you're not thinking about what you're doing. You don't have any kind of realization around what just happened. Why am I reacting? What is it that I'm associating to this situation that's causing my reaction? And that type of stuff. So we, because we're totally focused on whatever it was that caused us to react. So our focus is completely on the other person or the event or the situation. And it's controlling us. Anytime we're in a reactive state, we're being controlled by whatever it is that we're reacting to. So what this tells us is that emotional triggers, emotional reactions of various sorts, um, are fabulous tools to give us great insight into what's operating in our life at an unconscious level that we're not fully aware of. But it's only that's only meaningful if we learn how to stop and self-reflect in the moment of a reaction rather than just, you know, unconsciously going full-blown into the reactive state and, you know, who knows what happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we certainly don't gain any insight as far as our own um, uh, reasons for reacting or, you know, um, or things that we call our shadow aspects, things that are still in the darkness, things that we don't realize about ourselves. Because at some point in our life when we were kids, probably growing up, or, you know, we started going into life and we started having some bad experiences, we either went into denial about stuff or we repressed those, those uh, I, you know, those experiences and so they they're, they still live inside of us, so they're there to be triggered. And the thing that you want to always keep in mind about an emotion is that an emotion is always associated to a memory. So what gives us the automatic pattern that we're acting out in, in a um, reactive situation is that an emotion triggers something inside of us that we associate to something that happened in the past that was upsetting, that was of the same nature. And that's what we use. How we behaved when that happened is the same way we're going to behave right now in response to that same emotion in the present moment. So it's kind of like the mind pulls it up and the mind says, okay, what's happening right now is the same thing as what happened back here. And so we respond, we, we kind of like create an illusion over the present reality saying this is the same thing as that. And then we react to it as if it was the same as the, the past memory or the past situation. So what you're bringing if we up, can, is so what you're bringing up right now is so important. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, oh, go ahead. Because I want people to get a couple of big points in here. And mm-hmm. you know, first first of all, after I read one of your recent articles, I said I, I messaged a friend of mine and said, "Man, if." Science had been taught to me with the spiritual parallels, like the way Linda writes. <laughs> I right. was a science, <laughs> you know, but right. they tried to teach it to me as straight science. It didn't work. Uh, oh, I know. But I'm seeing, I'm seeing a couple of things. You know, when I see, when I get the spiritual parallel, I completely get it. I uh-huh. see a couple of things. So it's almost like. When we go into this emotional state, based on what you're saying, it's almost like the soul takes flight, and then we we space out and have no memory, 
of doing something, kind of like sleepwalking in a way. Um, and then you brought up this point also of emotion being associated to a memory, and then we use our past behavior as the reaction in the present situation. And I think this is a really big thing that you're touching on right here because Mm -hmm. with all of the influences going on in the universe, be it the planetary ones and everything else, people are getting a lot of opportunity to, if we want to say, clear their past behavior, um, past things in order to give us the chance to respond differently. And people are getting these triggers coming up that you're talking about in this very specific thing. So, this is big because I see a lot, a lot of people dealing with this right now, getting these triggers and going, right. having to step back and go, wait, I'm not the same person. This isn't the same situation. It's not the same people involved. Right. And see, let me let me clarify something that you just you just said a minute ago because this can get really confusing. But if we learn how to look at it from a different perspective, it we can learn how to you know created a concept of it that makes total sense, okay? And that is the idea. Uh, you said something about how when an emotional reaction takes place or something like that, your soul, like, goes to sleep or bows out or, or whatever. In, in another way of looking at that equation is that we actually have three souls. We have, because a, a soul is a, is a mind, a field of information or whatever that informs matter. And so every living thing has a soul because that's what gives it the pattern that grows it and animates it and takes it through various natural biological processes. So the spiritual um, in spiritual sciences, the way to look at it is that we have a low, we have a lower nature, a higher nature and then we have the, the human soul, which sits right in the middle and acts as a medium between the pure, purely spiritual and the purely physical. Our physical soul is our animal soul, in which we're very much um, unconscious because the, the mind of, of the animal kingdom is the subconscious mind. They don't have the, the creative thinking mind like human beings do. They're uh, purely in their subconscious mind and they're controlled by instincts, so to speak. So they're, they're, they don't have a thought process about why they're doing something. They just get an impulse and they do it. And when, when humans are in reactive states, we're very much in our lower nature and we're behaving just like animals do. We're, we're, we're just an emotional trigger takes place. It's, it's an impulsive thing. And we just react with, with some sort of um, habitual behavior of some sort. So it's, it's like an automated feature. So, but the problem lies, this is what, this is what the problem, this is what you really want to give a great deal of thought to is that the soul um, forms its identity based on what it associates with. So if the soul is very much in its, in the body and prone to all kinds of unconscious behavior and obsessive thinking and always reacting to, you know, its environment and other people and always upset and, hurt and bothered you know what I mean then what happens is is their soul as far as what we're calling the human soul tends to associate into that state and becomes more animal-like becomes more unconscious and what that does is it bonds us to the material plane and it really it we degrade in life instead of 
uh, upgrading or evolving to a higher state. Instead, we're in the process of evolving to a lower state. Some people think that evolution is like, you know, a one-way street and you're always getting better. That's not at all the case. Evolution is whatever we identify with and associate ourselves to, we become like. And so if we stay in this reactive, unconscious behaviors, and we use that to create in our life, then our, we're, we're degrading our soul because we're, we're bonding ourselves to the material plane and to our lower nature. Whereas if we kind of what we call detach from our emotions, and, and the process of detaching is exactly what we're talking about here tonight, it, it's a process of introspection that allows us to gain insight into our emotional states and what's actually happening when we're being triggered emotionally so that we can heal our because all healing in the ultimate sense is a psychological process and comes from um, bringing what we're unaware of into full awareness so it's all about taking all the things that are operating in our life at the unconscious level and bringing them into conscious awareness where we can start working with them because the, the other thing about always being in an unconscious state and always in a reactive is we can't ever work on ourselves we, we're, we're never in the process of healing because we're just we're like indulging, so to speak, in our traumas and our our habitual behaviors, our conditioning and all that type stuff. So we're never able to come to terms with what's happening to be able to control our reaction, gain insight into the memories that are associated with it. All healing in the ultimate sense comes through awareness. If you're not aware of something, you can't work with it consciously. You can't control it. And you certainly can't, you know, dissolve it so that it's no longer working in your life. So the whole point of the soul growth is self-awareness, self-realization, gaining knowledge of yourself. And then through that, being able to implement your ability to make choices and the will to, you know, fulfill those or act them out to create in our life in, in brand new ways instead of just repeating habitual tendencies. So, <clears throat> and the other thing that I, that I want to kind of state is that, you know, you, you referred earlier to creativity in, in probably the purest sense of creativity, and that is when you're truly coming up with something that's brand new and novel, never, you know, you've never done before, that type stuff. But, creativity actually (laughs) comes through all kinds of forms. And the fact of the matter is when we're in a reactive state, which is usually a a very negative and um, anxiety ridden state, we are very much anything we take action on. We are, we create, we use to create. So we're very much creating our life, our situations, our relationships and stuff like that out of an unconscious state. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, the idea is to quit creating unconsciously, which is what karma is, right? I mean, karma is all about how we're just repeating patterns that are based on our our unconscious mind that's habitual in nature and just is always in this automated, um, you know, all of our actions and behaviors are just, you know, we don't think about them, we're not aware of them, they just come automatically as part of our nature. So, by by using the emotions as tools to gain insight into what just you know if if like if I something happens I get an emotional trigger okay and what that means if you stop 
the, fir- the, first, the first thing that you want to do is you want to refrain from actually reacting or actually doing something in, in a reaction to what just happened. You want to calm your mind. You want to turn all of your attention inward, and you want to ask yourself what just happened. And you want to notice, you know, I mean, we could, we could go into this and make this a real learning process, but I mean, you want to notice that when you turn your attention inward, you're, you're going to realize that you're being stimulated in a very specific spot in your body. And this is, of course, associated with the chakra system. And most of the time when we're having an emotional reaction, it's usually either in our stomach area, which is our third chakra, which is our emotional um, uh, you know, kind of like the central part of our lower self, so to speak, which is very much in the emotions, or in the heart center, which is our feelings, love, you know, what we feel an affinity for, what we feel connected with, that type stuff. And then when you realize where you're being stimulated and you realize and you concentrate on the, the, the feeling sensation in your body, you'll be able to immediately realize the memory that you have associated with that feeling. You know, it might be something like, well, that's the way, you know, that's the way my dad always talked to me. And, you know, when he talked to me like that, he treated me like I was an idiot. And now you're treating me like I'm an idiot because you're talking to me the same way. You see what I mean? But we have some kind of an association going on to that feeling state as far as something that happened to us in the past that is providing us with the pattern for automatic behavior in the present. So by realizing that, you can realize what you have associated to that emotion, which is what keeps you always in a reaction. And in realizing that, you can go back and you can literally deal with the memory itself. And just in becoming aware of it and, and dealing with it in your own way, you can get to the point where the same type of stuff can continue happening to you. I mean, the same, you know, person could talk to you in the same way, with the same tone of voice or whatever, and it no longer bothers you. So what you're trying to do is gain, you know, gain introspection where you can realize your own tendencies in a situation or what, what's motivating the reactive behavior. And in doing that, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it just kind of goes away as far as you can be in the same situation and it just doesn't seem to bother you as much anymore. And so it's pretty easy to ignore or just remain calm. Right? I can vouch for that. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've had some recent experiences over the last year, two years in particular, where there was a lot of lingering stuff. I'd worked through a lot of stuff. And Mm -hmm. then over the last year, I found myself in situations and these triggers were coming up. And as you said, it it takes some practice, I think, to stop ourselves and go, okay, I need to step back and step away from everybody because if I don't, something bad's going to happen here. Um, Right. Having to get inward, you know, to stop that reaction and get inward and go, okay, what I realized was I'm really being triggered in a way that, as you say, it goes way back into patterns that were set up in my childhood that I had been breaking through. That, mm-hmm. You know, people may yes. not have even set up intentionally. You know, your parents don't necessarily intentionally set up patterns to devastate you. Screw you up. Or anything like that. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. they, you up. Yep. they don't do it necessarily intentionally. They're operating right. on what they've learned and everything. And 
you know, I realized throughout my life I had these patterns of people walking on me and various things. And oh, yeah. I'm on the opposite so part of the zodiac, being a Scorpio. <laughs> That's probably why we balance yeah, each yeah. other, right? Um, <laughs> yes, and, we do. You know, and so, I, you know, I would let things go and let things go, and then all of a sudden, kaboom, you know, because I explode. You know, wouldn't say anything. <laughs> And then explode, and people are like, "What happened?" <laughs> you know? Right, but, exactly. Uh, realizing those triggers, and when they started coming up, I said, "Okay, there's, you know, there's got to be a different thing." And I started realizing that, you know, it was it was going back to these formal emotional experiences that I had of my opinion not being valued or allowed into a group or team dynamic. And right. that I was being pushed off, silent, shut down, you know, um, what was going on for me was not as important, didn't matter sort of thing. And I was getting that same thing. I used this process that you're talking about, Linda, and it changed the whole whole dynamics among, you know, a few other pieces because looking at what was going on for them and going, okay, this right. is a different thing. This is up to me to change this. Um, mm-hmm. And I did, and as it turns out, I have really a very good connection with these people now. But, um, right. you know, and as it turned out, I've ended up touching their lives quite a bit. But this is yep. a powerful, powerful process that you are talking about. And, and for us to remember that we are always creating, the only question is, are we creating consciously or are we creating unconsciously? Exactly. Exactly. And, and Absolutely. I think that this is, yeah, this is so, so huge. And and I want to step back just for a moment and bring in a point because you were talking about associations. What we associate mm-hmm. with, and uh, we start to become. And this exactly. is where a lot of spiritual people have had to go back into the traditional workforce over the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think that has to do probably with the Pluto-Capricorn-Saturn connections going on or something like that. And what we're finding is their their spirits are feeling broken a lot of times because they haven't learned how to hold that light, if you want to say use this process that you're talking about, in these situations because they got used to associating with spiritual people then they had to go back into the regular workforce, and then they're associating with people with no spiritual foundation <laughs> whatsoever. Right. And they're finding themselves shifting and changing and going into all these, you know, different feelings that they have coming up. I, when I think about this, I think how much we associate with machines and electronics. And what you're yeah. saying explains exactly what I've been people. Look around. People look robotic. They're not even yep. thinking anymore. They're not aware anymore because they're functioning like a machine because right. most of yep. their association is with a machine. Right. Absolutely. And of course we got you know, robotics are upon us and they're like they're like conditioning us to the idea of, you know, um becoming part machine. You know what I mean? Infiltrating different right. type of electronic things into our brain to enhance our performance and you know all this type stuff that so society out there in general or the media certainly is always in the process of conditioning us to ideas that they want us to be okay with and they want us to fully cooperate and participate with. 
but kind of going back to what we were just talking about a minute ago, um, you know, I want to I want to kind of point out because you know when we're kids, we, we think every, you know if something everything that's happening around us in our family situation, our home, or whatever, we have a tendency to think that everything is about us. So if our parents are unhappy, if our you know if we're in trouble a lot or something like that. We think, oh, you know, they must not love me. I must be a bad person. I must be, you know, I'm always in trouble. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. our parents, you know, they were conditioned just like we were, and they're dealing with their own stuff. And all of us, right. you know, certainly in the normal sense, because we're not really aware of the fact that we, we have been conditioned and that the reason we have the tendencies that we have is because of how we were raised and how we were treated and what what values that we were we were taught and we bought into, you know what I mean? But we, we have family dynamics that instill patterns in us, right? It's like I tell people the one thing you want to tune into in life is patterns because vibration is patterns. And patterns have multiple roles in – patterns are like ideas that play out that have multiple roles involved with complementary opposites, People get confused around the idea of projection, you know what I mean, and what you see in another person is what's in you. And, you know, and some people want to argue with that and say, well, no, because, you know, um, it, I don't have that tendency or I don't have that trait. But just the fact that you're having a reaction to it or a strong opinion about it is what tells you that you very much are conditioned to the same pattern. But what's really happening that you're probably not aware of is that, you're playing the opposite role in that pattern. For example, you know, this is a real easy one to grasp, okay? If I'm a victim, so my whole mentality in life is being victimized, being, you know, nothing's my fault, you know, I can't help it, you know, everything's being done to me, I have no control, I have no power in the situation. Okay, I don't react to other uh, victims, I may, you know, relate to them and sympathize with them or whatever, but what I have a natural reaction and an attraction to, you got to understand a reaction is, a, is an attraction. So what I'm actually attracted to is somebody that will victimize me. So the victim is reacting to the victimizer and is attracted to people who victimize them because that way they, that's how they continue living out of their reality and telling their story about being a victim. Because... If, if we feel victimized, what that means is that we have our, we've built our identity around being a victim. And our identity is a really powerful idea to, uh, you know, come to terms with and understand. And this is what most people are referring to when, when we're talking about the soul. Our soul is our identity. It's our individuality. It's our who we are as a person and how we perceive life, what role we play in, in situations, what story we're always in the process of telling with our life, all comes from our identity. So people have a really hard time getting out of their identity because they don't know how to tell a different story. So if, if a person is a victim, and they've been a victim their whole life, and you, you, know, you come along, so to speak, and try to work with them and try to get them to kind of like, you know, give that up and step into their power and become empowered in their life and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a part of them that doesn't know how to be that kind of person. So they, you know, they'll just, go ahead. Uh, Go ahead and finish your thought. I'll jump in in a minute. They'll defend their right 
to to be a victim and they'll they'll come across to you like you don't understand or you don't you know what know what it's like for me and if you did then you would you know know that um you know I have no control and that I truly am a victim so our identity is really about our story in life and the theme that we're always acting out through different behavioral dynamics and so anytime we're having a reaction to somebody, it's because we share a role in the same pattern, in the same dynamic, the same idea. You know what I mean? And that's why we're reacting. This is, I, go ahead. This is, this is really <laughs> huge what you're bringing up here. Um, so I'm right. kind of jumping in. I know I keep interrupting a bit here. But this is a big thing because there are a lot of people that say, yeah, but I'm not a victim. Where is that role in me? But as you say, the patterns are are really mm-hmm. big. And this is why somebody with really strong feminine energy will draw in the heavy masculine energy. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the the cheerleader draws in the football player um, right. type of thing because they're on the same energetic pattern um, playing different things. And And the whole role thing, is really, really big because I think that's the piece people miss. They're so busy trying to figure out how am I like that person. And sometimes there Mm -hmm. is a piece of us somewhere we're playing that victim role because you can't play the power role and not play the victim role. They're one and the same uh, in a lot of ways. And in the spiritual industry, what I see is you have a lot of spiritual people who like to play the martyrs which are mm-hmm. and big healers, which are a form of control pattern, and they will naturally draw in a lot of victimized clients because they're in that pattern, and then they'll sit around going, "Why do I get all these victim people who won't change?" <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. But, but and here, trying to, you know, um, do that. But this point that you're bringing up about your role is associated with your identity. And and this is really, really huge because I think that, that's that got a lot of incredible layers to explore in it. And that's, you know, what you're talking oh, about is what I love about codes is because it's all about patterns. That's what I do. Right. It's about patterns in things. Everything's a pattern. And, and it can be hard for us to say, this is what I'm actually identifying with now what do I want to identify with and make that well, here's, here's And I'm sure you here's have another information. Here's, an, here's another really elusive component to what we're talking about, okay? And this is what really trips people up when they're trying to gain realization around this, okay? Is what that means, okay, when we realize we're talking about patterns and we're talking about a variety of roles in that pattern, and while we're identified primarily to like one role okay in this case we're talking about being the victim so for the most part I'm playing the victim in my life and I'm always perceiving myself as being victimized and I'm always feeling like I don't have any power but the fact of the matter is I can play any role in that pattern and I do I'll flip back and forth two different roles where I will take on the the role of being the person doing the victimizing as a way of initiating the pattern or getting that other person to victimize me back. But when I, when I'm doing the victimizing, 
I'm telling myself a different story about what's going on and why I'm doing it that makes it so that it's not about me victimizing somebody or me, you know, being hostile, manipulative, aggressive, whatever you want to call being victimized. Because I, I tell myself a little story about it that justifies my right to be that way. And therefore, I build a perception. This is what we call illusions. We build illusions around the idea where I don't re- recognize or realize that I'm actually also victimizing other people. You see what I mean? And then I, when, I vic- when I fall into the role of being the victimizer, I trigger a reaction in them that causes them to kind of like lash out at me and then I'm victimized. See, then I fall back and so, see, you know what I mean? You just did it, you know what I mean? And then I, I get to feel victimized all over again. And people this don't grasp this. What you're bringing. This is huge yeah. what you're bringing up. And this particular pattern plays out mm-hmm. in most areas of people's lives. It's probably the most prevalent pattern that we see floating around out there is this victim. Right domination pattern and this passive aggressive energy going and I, I love how you're bringing up this example because this is not something most people think of that they, right. they actually make those attacks and I'm thinking about it even in my own life as you're talking I'm going oh my gosh I've got to stop this <laughs> I know, know exactly can, it's like damn <laughs> you can see it yeah. clearly and I then mean, we if, get back and we wonder, we wonder, well, why why am I not getting further along? Why am I not succeeding as well as I right. want to or things like this? And as people like you come along and bring these awarenesses up, they can go, oh, shoot, yeah, I did kind of start in on this attack space. And it, it wasn't like mm-hmm. it was directly heavy attacking, blatantly doing it, but there was this kind of, I get, you know, I could see where these things come up. And, right. Um, so this is a big one that you're bringing up because I bet I bet a lot of people out there listening are going, "Oh no, <laughs> this is exactly right. what I do." Yeah. Here's another one that's really easy to understand. Okay, and I'll use this one for an example because this is probably what what we call you know all of us are what we call our issues. They're themes and they're universal themes, and they're themes that everybody has. Okay. And one of the biggest one is, uh, you know, I don't want to say not being loved, but let's say being rejected, feeling like we're not wanted, we're not good enough, we're not worthy, this person doesn't really love me. Something like that is going on for the most part. And here's what happens, okay? And what this means is that this, if, if I feel like I'm not wanted, I'm not loved, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 I have a mental paradigm that perfectly sees that in everything. So I can interpret anybody's behavior to mean they don't love me, I'm being rejected, they don't like me. You see what I mean? And then what happens is because I'm living out of this reality as if it's real, I don't realize that it's something I'm creating in my mind. I'll produce the behaviors of being rejected i.e. going off by myself, uh, being aloof in a situation, never feeling a part of things. Um, you know, when I, if you're with like a, 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 you know, a partner or whatever, and you might 
kind of like somewhat ignore them or, you know, kind of go off, be kind of distant, cold, um, not real open or affectionate with them. And, and so you're producing the behavior that causes them to feel like you don't like them. They're not wanted. You, you don't really want to be there. You see what I mean? And you don't even realize you're doing it because you're stuck in this idea that you're the one that's not being wanted. And so you're behaving as if that's true. And the behavior itself is sending the message to the other person. She doesn't want me. She doesn't love me. She doesn't want to, you know, you see what I'm, you see what I'm saying? And we don't even realize we're doing it. And so if, if is, somebody was to come up and say, you know what, you know what, you treat other people that same way, they would look at you and go, what are you talking about? I don't do that. They're doing it to me. You know what I mean? And you go, no, your behavior is causing them to feel like you don't want them, you don't love them, you don't want to be with them, all because you're, you know what I mean? You're sitting there with your hands folded yep. instead of, like, touching them or, or hugging them or, you know what I mean? When you walk into yeah. a, a, you know, a situation with other people, instead of just letting I'm speaking from the woman perspective, naturally, instead of just letting him take you by the hand and lead you into the situation and sit down beside you, you tend to like disconnect, you walk over and you sit in a chair that's kind of like on the outskirts and he kind of goes in by himself and sits there and he's looking at you like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? What, why, you know, and to him, that's like blatant rejection, you know, there's a lack of affection, you don't you know, you don't want to be with me. You don't want other people to think you're with me. I mean, who knows what goes on, but something like that. And so, and of course, you know, whatever people do to us, we do back. So then once he feels, starts feeling rejected and unwanted or something like that, then he starts employing the behavior. And then my little mind goes, aha, see, I told you. Look at how he's mm -hmm. acting. You see what I mean? Yeah. And we don't even realize yeah, exactly. that we caused it. We don't even realize, and if we don't even realize that if you went over there and talked to him, he would be telling you that I'm the one that doesn't want him, doesn't love him, doesn't care, and he feels rejected by me. So I mean, it's an interesting thing. But see, I I've been justifying in my mind the whole time why I'm behaving the way I am, and so <laughs> I don't realize that that's what I'm doing. You see what I mean? It's so true. I I have a past relationship that had a lot of that that went on. <laughs> a lot mm -hmm. of that. Oh, all of us do. <laughs> and it and it led to much deeper layers. I was much younger at the time, and um, you know, it led into a lot of cheating on each other and things like that. Because oh yeah, you know, there was that sense of not being wanted, not you know, <laughs> yep. being. You know, attentive when we were together, things like that. I mean, it was just a whole variety of things. And mm -hmm. um, you know, so how does how does somebody start to break these patterns? I mean, I th I think about it, and, and you've got a lot of the not good enough pattern is another really huge pattern right up there, um, right with the victim pattern, and oftentimes they go hand in hand with each other. And let's say you get to that point, you say, okay, I'm. I'm recognizing that this pattern's going on, or I have somebody that's in my life, and it doesn't seem to matter, Linda, what I do. They they still don't feel worthy. 
you know, I give them attention. I put my whole attention on them when I'm with them. And, you know, I reassure them. I call them. I, whatever they need, I, you know, I do it. And they still don't believe they're good enough. You know, what, what do I do with that? What do I how do I well, you don't, you don't to do any things once I identify? You don't do anything with it. <laughs> this is this is another <laughs> little trap that well, this is a trap we get caught into, you know what I mean? And, and it's like a natural stage actually because like I'm sure you've noticed that when people like really get into spiritual ideas or they really get into you know different ideas that are all about like healing and stuff like that, there's a part of them that wants to go out and tell everybody. Or you, you have friends and you're looking at them and you're thinking, God, if they just knew this stuff, it, their life would be so much better. You know what I mean? They could heal. They could get over their tendencies. They could, you know, see what they need to see in a situation. And so you get really invested in trying to wake them up and trying to get them to realize what you have realized for them. But it, it never works. I mean, that's not the way life goes. Everything's about choice and free will. And that person has to be able to have their own realizations. You know, I mean, you can't do it for them. You can't convince them. You can't. You see what I mean? This is big. I got to, I got to jump in here because this is big. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I get to talking with you, I can't stay too silent. Um, Right. (laughs) This is big because this is a big tendency, especially with people who have stepped on a spiritual path is to go in and go, well, let's just do this technique. Let's just do this. Let's just do that. And yet we have to, I think, be very, very careful when we start down that path and start, you know, uh, trying to help or treat or heal people because right. oftentimes when we're doing this, we are unconsciously recognizing they're not good enough. And that's locking them into those not good enough patterns. Right. Well, so, here, you know, here we are trying a, to help them out of that pattern and we're locking them in because we're like, yeah, you're not good enough, so let's do something. <laughs> you're yeah, let's fix you. Okay, I, I know how to fix you, so let me fix you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or let me sit here and try and convince you that you are worthy, which comes across to them as total, I mean, you know, they don't believe a word you're saying because they they have a belief inside of them that they're not worthy and they think you're just trying to be nice, you're just trying to make them feel better, you're just, you see what I mean? They have to have, yep. something has to happen in their life. They've got to have some moment of truth or some, some turning point, we call it, where they are able to say to themselves, Maybe this isn't what's really going on. Maybe this is just a story I've been making up and telling myself my whole life. And maybe it's not real. Maybe I am good enough. You see what I mean? But yeah, here, here's, I mean, the, the unconscious mind is a phenomenal thing, right? Because it governs all of our behavior and it governs all of our perceptual, you know, our perception is, is completely 100% our, our subconscious mind. Our emotions are our subconscious mind. So our emotions you know, influence or kind of produce our perception of things in which we employ natural behaviors based on how we perceive things, right? So let's take another example, okay? A kid growing up, um, for whatever reason, um, say he gets in trouble a lot, uh, his uh, parents are always on him about stuff, and, and maybe they're, 
you know, either their attitude or they're just actually saying things like quit acting like an idiot, quit being stupid, quit, you know what I mean? Quit being a jerk, quit being. So they use the language in trying to correct their behavior that makes them out to be bad people somehow. Okay. So the kid develops an idea, you know, a thought in his mind that, well, I'm a bad person. You know what I mean? I'm bad. I'm, I'm a jerk. I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I'm whatever. And then they will literally, you know, it's kind of like anything. We, we become what we believe. And then they start employing those behaviors on a regular basis that causes people to continue thinking that way about them. And they don't even realize that that's what they're doing. You see what I mean? They'll produce a person that has rejection issues. They'll produce the behavior that causes them to be rejected. You see what I mean? We're always in the process of reacting to what we believe to be true about ourselves, and we become the embodiment of what, we, what we've been told about ourselves and what we came to accept and believe about ourselves, and we're always producing those behaviors based on our beliefs that cause people to continue perceiving us as being stupid, bad, uh, you know, and we don't even realize that we're doing it. Because what's happening is is deep down inside is we don't want to change. We don't want to have to do anything different. We just want to be accepted. We want to be told that we're, you know, that we're smart, that we're worthwhile, that we're important. But we don't want to have to change anything in order to get that to happen because we don't have a, a full conscious realization that we're actually producing the behavior that's causing people to treat us that way. So it's all, everything in life is about self-realization, right? Because (laughs) it's only when we start realizing what we're doing in a situation that we can change that and therefore change the the effect, you know, we're at cause in our own lives. And as long as we're doing a certain thing, we keep getting the same response, cause and effect, right? I'm doing something and it produces the same effect over and over and that, that's my pattern, right? So in order for me to change that pattern, I have to change the cause. And I'm the cause of my own life, so I have to change something inside of myself as far as how I'm, how I'm perceiving things, how I'm feeling about things, how I'm looking, you know what I mean? And start acting different, behaving different in order to produce a different effect in the outside world. So... Yeah, so I mean, so that's what the real value to emotional charges are is that that gives us a, a doorway or, or an opportunity, so to speak, to say, wow, whoa, something just happened, and whatever just happened inside of me is purely at an unconscious level. And so if I stop right now, refrain from reacting, and turn and look inside of myself to see what memory comes up, how I'm feeling, what I'm associating it with. I can see things about myself, excuse me, that I'm not, I haven't been able to see. I can see unconscious tendencies that I'm acting out in my life without awareness of what I'm doing. Do do you see what I mean? Kind of, the emotions become a sort of portal to our unconscious to give us an opportunity to change that pattern and to choose differently in life. It's kind of like you're going down the road and you've always 
taken a certain route, let's say to work, let's say you go the same route to work every single day, but then Mm -hmm. you're driving to work one day and the road's blocked off and you got to take a detour. (laughs) Right, right. You have a choice to go to the left or to go to the right for your detour. And normally you would always maybe go to the left, but now you've got to choose. Am I going to go to the left like I would always do, or am I going to go to the right this time? Um, So Mm -hmm. kind of that window, I would say, or maybe a portal to give us something, to allow us to see something we don't normally see. Right. Absolutely. And here's the, here's the, what, to, to complicate things further, <laughs> right, which is why it doesn't happen that much is because it, it's, it's complicated. It, it's like, you know, because so much of what we're talking about is happening at the unconscious level. The one, one thing I want to point out um, that people, you know, it's a way of thinking about something that helps you understand it better is that we have two minds, right? We have a conscious mind and we have a subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind is what we call our unconsciousness, and it's all we, it's, it governs all of our behavior. This is the part of the mind that's running our body, beating our heart, right? you know, and pumping our blood, uh, making babies, growing our hair. And it's also the part of our mind that's always present. It's not distracted like the conscious mind. It's always present in a situation, and it's, it's language, so to speak. It's not the thinking mind. The conscious mind is the one that's always talking, the thinking, internal dialogue, um, you know, verbalizing thoughts that are like, in, in, you know, where you're sitting there just talking to yourself all the time. That's the mm-hmm. function of the conscious mind, and that's abstract, okay? And, and, and I'm sure anybody can realize you spend most of your time in, in the conscious sense out in time someplace and you're hardly ever present. You're thinking about what happened yesterday, what you're getting ready to go do in a couple of hours, what somebody said to you that still is kind of bothering you. You see what I mean? So you're always out in space and time with the conscious mind, distracted and dealing with what's not present or what's not real. So you're always in an illusion of some kind based on memories or projections or whatever. The subconscious mind, the language of the subconscious mind is emotion and experience because emotion comes from experience or emotion is what produces experience. So the, conscious, the subconscious mind is never out in space. <laughs> it's, never, it's never consumed with the past. It's never thinking about the future. It's present and it's experiencing or processing all of the emotional energy that's going on around it at any given moment. So emotions are the chemistry or the energy of the material plane. It, emotions don't exist in the spiritual plane. Only thing that exists in the spiritual plane is feelings. And kind of like what you were talking about earlier, there's a very distinct difference between a feeling and an emotion. So emotions are the language of the subconscious mind, which is why emotions produce unconscious behavior as well as uh, you know, uses memory, so to speak, to produce automated behavioral patterns because that's what the subconscious mind does is it behaves, it acts, it, you know what I mean? It's perceiving, it's, it's, it's processing emotions. It has an experience based on those emotions and it produces the behavior of those emotions. It, it never stops and has a verbal thought process. 
I, I love that you totally so, just probably confused a whole lot of people there. <laughs> because because as you say, this is where it gets complicated. Because it, if I'm translating this right, now correct me if I'm not, but basically the conscious mind is an unconscious state of living and the subconscious is the consciousness right. <laughs> level It's like of the paradox. Being. Yes, everything's a paradox. It's, par- yes. it's a paradox. So this is this is an interesting twist because I was sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm in my thoughts so much. And oh, all of us are. And, it, and it's just, of, yeah, yeah, my mind is out there ticking a thousand miles an hour on a lot of things um, so much of the time. And, and we, we justify it saying, yeah, but I'm thinking consciously. My mind is pondering all these spiritual things, so I must be in the consciousness. But, you know, you're right when you're doing this, and we don't think about it because we're always told you got to get into the conscious mind. you got to get in the conscious, you know, and, and this is those fine lines where it's not about the conscious <laughs> mind, but consciousness. And exactly. Exactly. There's this differentiation, and it can get very confusing with these terms. So I'm going to repeat this right. just because I probably confused some people some more in that. Your well, conscious mind is the illusion, unreal, distracted mind that maybe gets wrapped up in all the fancy glittering signs, the uh, as we like to care it, the 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 you know, sparkly object <laughs> or the dangling yeah. carrot. And that's it's, our unconscious it's an unconsciousness way of living. And then the subconscious uh-huh. mind where our emotion is, it's more, it does have that reactive space, is, is where we experience and it's where we can be present and it's where we have consciousness. So I just wanted well, to clarify and keep that. In mind, and keep in mind that the conscious mind, what we're talking about, the conscious mind is the illusion-based mind and it's always distracted, never present. That's only if we allow it to be that way. The idea here that we're talking about in, in, in all spiritual practices is to bring the conscious mind into the present where it's not dwelling on something that's not present, like the past, the future, you know what I mean? It's fully present and in sync with the subconscious mind, which is the emotional experiential mind, and all of our thought processes are based on what's present in our life as opposed to what's not present. So it's, it's, it's only the illusional part of the mind as long as it's not present. And as long as it's consumed, as long as your thought processes are always consumed about something out there. Or like I said, I'm not talking about contemplating ideas because that is, a very pure form of consciousness, you know, where you, where you study something and you sit and you, you contemplate ideas. That's, that's the, uh, the really good form of thinking. When we're thinking in those terms, we're, we're really using our mind and we're absorbing information and we're processing knowledge, so to speak. But for the most part, most people, when we're talking about consciousness, what's happening is, they're always out distracted in space somewhere talking about stuff. They're never present. Um, they're always thinking about, like I said, a memory, the past, what happened two days ago, what somebody did that pissed me off, what, um, you know, I mean, what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. I'm anticipating something that's going to happen next week. 
You see what I mean? That's yes. the, the part of the mind that is, you know, illusional or delusional, however you want to call it. It's always living in a, kind of like a make-believe reality. So if you can bring your conscious mind into the present moment where it's not doing that, <laughs> right, and where you're present <laughs> with everything that, that's real and happening and you keep your thought processes there and you're thinking about what's actually happening in this moment, and who I'm with, and what, you know what I mean? Not only are you, are you, you know, becoming conscious or staying conscious, but you're not prone to being triggered with, you know, emotional reactions that, you know, take you back into to a memory that you're now going to bring into the, the present and use to equate the present with the past. So the idea is to, in the sense of always thinking about, you know, uh, being distracted or thinking about stuff that doesn't even really matter, you know what I mean? Stuff like on the internet or on the cell phone or, like I said, what happened last week or what somebody said to you that that bothered you or if you can, like, alleviate and calm down those thoughts and just become present in your life and become aware of what's happening, you know, what's around you, the people that you're with, what's the conversation that you're involved in and stay present, now you're bringing the subconscious mind and the conscious mind together in a, in a joint reality and where you're actually conscious in your life. So it's never about one or the other. It's always about bringing them together, you know, act in a complementary fashion to produce, you know, your, your reality or your perception of reality, however you want to look at it. So it's only... I think you just described what unity really is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I just described. Because, you know, people no, people do. They wander around and it's, it's always like, oh, we've got to all join together. We've all got to, you know, and, and this is where people like myself have struggled a little bit. It's like everybody always going, you, you've got to be on this team. You've got to do this. You've got to connect with people. You've got to interact with all these people, I'm like, no, unity is, you know, union of the self, and and it's what you're talking about, it's when the mind stops being separated, it's it's ironic because we're what, we're two cell uh, organisms, and Mm -hmm. we're trying to, our goal is to function like a one cell, and (laughs) that's been my thing lately is, We've totally regressed. <laughs> As a human species, we think we are so far advanced, and we've regressed so much from being a one-cell organism. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Uh, but, you know, in, in the, I mean, to take that a little step further, you know what I mean? Because you're exactly right. I mean, it, it's the true form of unity is not only bringing the two selves together, but actually bringing the three selves together. We actually have three selves. The trinity is... We're we're a three-dimensional being, and we have not only a material existence and then a human existence, but we have a spiritual existence. And so when we can bring this, this might get too complicated. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't go into this part, but (laughs) I'll just I'll just tap on it, okay? Because the the spiritual part of us is more of a universal identity, and it gets away from all kinds of like selfish agendas. 
and opens us up to taking on more of a universal identity, which means that we're, we're, we don't, we're not prone to selfish tendencies. It's not all about us and me and you need to do this and I want and you, you know what I mean? Which is what we, mm-hmm. most people are normally, we're nearly always involved in a completely selfish agenda of some sort. And we don't, you know, we don't like to call it that or think of it that way because we're, we're, you know, part of our agenda is to, you know, be loved and love people and go have fun and do exciting things. And, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, it feels good, but it's really about, we're always working in a situation with some kind of an agenda to try and make that situation go the way we want it to go. <clears throat> Does that make sense? And so but yeah, when, we, when we bring the spiritual component into it, we move out of that selfish tendency and we move more into kind of like being of service to the people that we're with and acting in a situation to bring about what's best for everybody involved instead of just what's best for us or what we need in the situation just to, to be okay and to feel okay about stuff. But so it's really about bringing together in a unified manner all three planes or all three aspects of ourself to form a single entity that is exists simultaneously on all three planes at the same time. But, I mean, we're talking about the material plane, so we'll say that we're bringing all those qualities into our being while we're here on the, on the material plane, and it very much produces our attitude, our behavior, our, you know, how we perceive things. You see what I mean? Well, but, and I think that this is where a lot of people are feeling very challenged in these days and times is probably with the human piece because I think there's a lot of people that have said, okay, I've done the material side of things. And I can look even earlier in my life and say I I was very materially focused when I was young. all of us. (laughs) But now I'm very spiritually focused. But then the key is, hey, I'm living in a human body. How do I integrate that? Because now I've got all this spiritual awareness and I realize that this isn't what I want to do. And, and I go in and out of periods that challenge me at this point that say, right, wow, this doesn't resonate with me ethically, but my human physical body has to have <laughs> certain things for it. And I'm struggling with that at times. And I see other people struggling with that too. And I think that that's a big challenge for everybody. It's how do we integrate that human piece with these others? Well, you know, that, that's like a, that's a that's a very good question because that is probably the aspect of things that people struggle the most with. And it's because in order to really, you know, bring that component into things, we have to kind of like move into almost a completely different perspective in terms of what we're used to. And, for example, you know, it's it's like the old saying, you know, being in the world but not of it. Or, you know, the whole idea behind dematerializing and, um, you know, kind of like really looking at any kind of like selfish agendas or anytime you like have a distinct need for something to happen in a situation. So you're, you're examining your own motives in situations. But is detaching from all, you know, attachments to material ideas or to other people or to relationships or, which is very hard for people to do because, you know, there's a part of us that wants to say, well, 
you know, love is everything, love is the most important thing, and, uh, you know, if I detach from my family, so to speak, or my children, what does that mean? Does that mean I don't love them, I don't care, I don't, it's like, well, no, that's not at all what it means. What it means is that you're you're realizing that your children, just like you, while we, yeah, we're, we have physical bodies and we're in, we're in the material world together, and, and in this life, you know, certainly we're related in some way, and, you know, you're very dear to me, and, you know, I, I care very much for you. In another sense, I realize that your true essence is actually spiritual in nature, and it's not your body, you know what I mean? So if we detach from the material realm we move into more of what we would call an unconditional form of love, which says there's no criteria, there's no nothing you have to do, nothing you have to be in order for me to love you. I love you because I recognize your soul. I recognize your spirit. You see what I mean? But but the most important thing in the, in the situation is that when we're attached to material ideas, it bonds us to the material plane. And what that means is that it bonds us to the material plane, into our lower nature, and into um, things that we're not having full awareness of. And when we die and reincarnate, or you know, however you want to look at that, we keep coming back to the physical plane because we're we're attached to it, we're connected to it. We we have, you know, what I mean, we're, we love it. We're we've got, you know, we don't want to leave our children. We don't want to leave our mother. We don't want to leave. You see what I mean? So the idea mm-hmm. is to completely detach from material ideas around things and focus strictly on our spiritual aspect so that and identify out of being more universal in nature or you know I mean another way to look at it that that I use a lot for myself is I want to kind of become a vessel through which divine energy can work in the world. I don't want to taint it and manipulate it to my own little agendas or my own perceptions about things. I want to be able to be as clear a channel as I possibly can for spiritual knowledge to come into the world to help people in their evolution. And so when I take that attitude, when I go into a situation, I'm very conscious. And this is work, okay? I mean, I've done a lot of work in this area where anytime I'm in a situation and I get any kind of an emotional charge or I get any kind of a trigger I start examining what my own motives are in the situation and how I'm starting to invest in needing that situation to go a certain way. And so I'm going to start acting or interacting with it to try and move it in that direction. You see what I mean? And once I start doing that, now I'm not, I'm not a vessel for the universal energy anymore. I'm on an, I'm on a personal agenda. You see what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm using my will in the situation to to you know coerce it or to make to manipulate it to to do what I what I think it needs to do in order for me to be okay. So if I can examine my own motives in a, if I can examine my own motives in a situation and say to myself instead, okay, I don't have any needs in this situation. I don't need it to go a certain way. I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to be a certain way. I'm just here to interact with you in a way that's going to produce the best possible scenario for you. So at that point, I'm in a purely giving state because I I have relinquished, I want to use that term, relinquished my needs and desires and wants in a situation because anytime we have 
those kind you know we have a desire for something we want something we have a need for something we're always in a process of manipulating stuff to go the way we want it to go that's what we have to give up that's what emotional charges keep us tied into is we're always tied into manipulative behavior of some sort based on how we're being triggered emotionally does that make sense that didn't make sense did it <laughs> yes it did it, it, it actually it's complicated it, it makes to, a lot of sense because well you you bring up this aspect that most people would not associate themselves with and that is manipulative behavior and right we do this so unconsciously um, so frequently in the world and and we we try to justify it with things like well i'm being humane by saving animals i'm Right. You know, doing it in the name of this purpose, or these trees have to be saved, or you know, whatever the the reason is in there, and yet mm-hmm. they're still manipulating, and and it's it's one of the things I've said over and over again recently to people, and that is, you can't you can't operate and bring the spiritual into the world. <laughs> and bring these principles in that you're talking about while you're protesting and fighting. <laughs> right, exactly. Because you're protesting and you're fighting, and, and this is what you're saying, that even we have to be very careful because even in this aspect of standing up, so to say, for rights, um, and it doesn't mean that you just lay down and let people stomp all over you either, but in, right. in the process of standing up for rights, you are manipulating things. And and we get a lot of manipul- manipulation going on through programming, through various things, which I did a whole couple of shows on that, so people want to know how that programming occurs and how it, how it goes into our brains and affects our body systems and our nervous system. You can go back and listen mm-hmm. to the archives. But... Um, you know, this is really big because once we realize where we're trying to manipulate it, and it can be anything from I'm going to manipulate the world to give me more money, to give me love, to um, have my life go a certain direction, or whatever it is. I mean, it, it, a lot of times it's, you wouldn't even necessarily think of it as manipulation. And this is what you're bringing well, exactly. up is that we do these things exactly. and then this helps us realize where we have these desires and wants and needs and looking at the desires and wants and needs can show us where we are doing this manipulation. You know, the time has flown, Linda, and I, and I know I could probably talk with you for hours and hours. Well, I know I can because I've spent time with we you have. <laughs> I could just we talk have. and talk and talk with you. Uh, but I, we need to kind of start to wrap up here. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, right. So I want you to bring around maybe a, just a couple of highlight points, anything that you want to leave people with, ways that they can contact with, contact you and say, hey, Linda, I'd love to work with you a bit because you're just phenomenal and you're amazing and you just don't think like a lot of people think, and I love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's called unique. I'm unique. 
that's, that's what I get a lot. You're unique. You're one of those full brain people, you know, and there's not a lot of us. <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> okay, what I would, how I would summarize what, what we talked about tonight or, or probably the main idea around what we talked about tonight is that just enter into a practice in your life where you decide and you say to yourself, okay, any, and you, don't, you may not want to start with the big emotional charges because those are a lot harder to control. But you say to yourself, okay, as I go through my day today, I'm going to really pay attention to how I'm feeling. And anytime I realize that I'm being triggered or I got an emotional charge from something, instead of like focusing on it and, you know, going into this whole little story in my head about stuff, instead I'm going to, I'm going to refrain from reacting. So I'm not going to behave. I'm not going to act on it. And instead I'm going to turn my attention inward and I'm going to reflect on what's happening inside of me. What's, you know, what's running through my mind. What am I associating to the situation? What is it exactly that gave me the emotional charge? And I'm going to gain realization from that that helps me to become aware of something that I wasn't previously aware of. I'm going to see something in myself or see something about myself that I wasn't fully aware of before. And in seeing that and owning it, because the other thing, you don't want to get caught up in like, you know, justifying it or start going, because sometimes we'll, we'll see things about ourselves. And then another part of our mind will kick in and start telling us a little story about why, why, why we're justified to be that way or why we're justified to feel that way. And you, so you, you want to, like, stop that part from coming in, and you just simply want to observe it in as an objective and unemotional aspect as you can so that you can realize what it is that's operating in your life at the unconscious level. And just start with that practice. I mean, you don't have to do anything at that point. I mean, just the realization is what works the magic in the situation and, and gets to the point where you're no, you, after, you know, after you do this for so long, you get to the point where you're hardly ever triggered. But even when strong emotions are being displayed around you, you can keep them outside of your body, you know what I mean? And you're, you're, not, you're not letting them inside your body and forming reactions to them. So... That's that's just a real simple practice, but you know, and it's one that will really do do a great deal as far as helping you to start exercising uh, your self awareness instead of always reflecting, you know, instead of always focusing on other people. So, but am I? I think you know, great I advice. have. Pardon me. I said I think that's great I, advice for people, and it's a great starting point for people. Right. Yeah. Simple practices. I mean, everything's about bringing knowledge into practice, so you have to develop some kind of a actual practice around something as a way of doing it. But, um, and I, you know, I've, I've got a website. It's developingyourmind.com, and I have a whole uh, menu of services that I offer, contact information, as well as uh, uh, different pages that provide information on different topics. And, of course, I, I publish uh, a great deal of educational articles that are primarily focused on spiritual issues, uh, personal transformation, self-development, um, that type of stuff. And uh, my email address, you can reach me by email um, anytime, is uh, 
dr doctor period then my full name linda gadbois.com or oh, i'm sorry at outlook.com or you can call me and my phone number is 303-726-9344 so and I'd be happy to answer any questions and I give complimentary consultations to, you know, make sure that we're a good match and that you feel comfortable working with me. And we can, you know, set up whatever program you want to set up. <laughs> I'm real flexible. <laughs> so I want to say thank you so much. I'm so glad that we finally got a show <laughs> to go yes, yes. through. <laughs> Because you're such a phenomenal person, and you you have a wealth of information, unlike most people that I know, um, right, unlike right, anybody yeah. else I know, really. And <laughs> you know, so much valuable information that is explained in a way that's different from the way people are used to hearing it, and in a right. way that really registers and takes hold for people. So. Truly an honor to have you on the show, Linda, and such a, Thanks, such a gift to have you here sharing these thoughts um, with us tonight. Well, it's always a pleasure to, to you know, be on your show and, and talk with you and discuss things, and so it's a, it's a real pleasure. Wonderful. And, and I want to mention to people that if you missed any part of this show, you want to go back and catch this in the archives, which are available immediately following uh, the show here tonight. And uh, they there will also be a YouTube version that will go up, um, iTunes, uh, TuneIn.com. Both will have podcasts, which are done through the Main Street Universe listing uh, for the show as well. So you've got a lot of options with this. So much information here. And um, this is one of those shows that even if you caught the whole show, you're probably going <laughs> to go back and listen to it a couple of times because there was so much information here and really, really sit into this information and get get with it. And Linda offered up some incredible, valuable advice that is maybe invaluable uh, in many ways just because it's so valuable. <laughs> There's a parallel. That sounds like uh, the conversation we've been having tonight in a sense, you know, how those overlap and twist and turn and wrap around and, and everything like that. Next week, I am going to be doing a follow-up on our presidential candidates and looking at how their codes mix with the vice president choices that they have made and what we can expect. And I'm going to be talking about not just the two that are in the news all the time, but our other two candidates who actually have enough state support that they could win the election. And that, uh, that will be delving into also our candidates from the libertarian and um, Green Party as well that are on the ballot this year. So um, it's going to be very interesting what I've been delving into. And I want to mention also there's kind of going to be a couple of parts to this because Wednesday night at 7 p.m. here on Blog Talk Radio on a show called The Best Years of Life, Luella May is going to be interviewing me, and we're going to be talking about some of that presidential candidate stuff, and then I'll be doing a full show of my own next week right here through the Main Street Universe. Um, also, don't forget that the international bestseller that I'm the collaborator on, Embraced by the Divine, the Emerging Women's Gateway to Power, Passion, and Purpose, is available. 
It's available in Kindle. It's available as a paperback. You can order it up. Go to the website, embracedbythedivine.com. You can also check out all of my work from working with codes to monthly video tips, archive shows, interviews, um, both that I've done here as well as what other people have done on me, books, upcoming events, all that cool stuff. It's on my website, CompassionCodes.com. And don't forget, we've got several shows here on Main Street Universe. Tuesdays is Susan Weed sharing her work in herbs and natural plants. Wednesdays, we have our flagship show with Daniel and Janice. Janice has her own show that she does periodically called Reflections and Rhythms. Darren Bupere, who's a reader at Madame Laveau, is poking his head in about once a month now from New Orleans. And Kevin Barrett's been poking his head in. From time to time, Mary Phelan's coming back to the network. We've got a whole bunch of people that are doing kind of sporadic things. And actually here, the code connection, I'm going to become a little more sporadic (laughs) and not be doing weekly shows in the near future. I'm going to be running shows up through the autumn equinox. So I've got another four shows here on this network. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a beautiful four-year run on this network. And, uh, It's just gotten to a point that my life is taking the direction I'm going to be doing more research around the world, believe it or not, Um, and and I'm changing the focus and the direction, and I'm going to follow my guide and the messages that are coming up and and start putting some things into place to um, move in some very incredible, incredible ways, and it's going to be a journey you're going to want to follow, I guarantee it. Um, So you may want to follow me through my Facebook pages, Jesse on Nichols George, Activating Compassion, or Jesse on Nichols George, uh, Coding Interpreter, are all pages that I have, and I continue to put out coding work through those sites, so um, many, many options. This is Jesse on Nichols George. I'm so glad that you joined me here today, and I want to say thank you to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those that are streaming live on Penn, known as Pair Encounters Network, StreamFinder, TalkStream Live, and those catching our podcasts at iTunes, TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of our show, which is usually up a couple of days after the live show, a couple of weeks maximum. Don't forget that if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's got to be a show you're going to want to share if you heard any piece of this. <laughs> it's going to be available at the same link in our archives, and I'm going to leave you with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over. It's by Shemshai. Don't forget to go check out their work, their website, www.shemshai.com. That's S-H-I-M-S-H-A-I.com. And look them up on Facebook. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Code Connection. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time One with the season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon
Yeah, 